you have to blend the science with the hell. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum. On this episode of the podcast, we have Zach Evanish. Zach is the owner of Underground Strength Gym, a high school strength coach, and a legend and pioneer in our field. On this episode of the podcast, Zach takes us down the rabbit holes of how to create a culture at a gym. The trends he has seen throughout his years as a coach in our field and how he grabs from the good and ignores the bad and kind of sticks to his principles and how he goes about creating mobile, agile, and hostile athletes in his gym. Zach had so many stories and so many incredible quotes from just legendary strength coaches that he all called friends and just is really cool to see the different generation of all these strength coaches. He kept mentioning Buddy Morris and Louis Simmons and Joe DeFranco and talking to them like they're his buddies. And it's kind of cool seeing his community and the different community there and, and our community that's kind of growing up in, in our generation of coaches. But all of these legendary quotes and legendary people he's had the privilege of talking to and taking information from. And one of the really, really cool things and points that he continually mentions is he's always evolving and he never has the answers, no matter how many years he has spent in the field and no matter how many years he has talked to legendary and the best of the best coaches out there. His whole goal is to break the mold of being himself. And that's something that I think is insanely powerful and why coaches like Zach are the way he is and are as successful as he is and know as much as he does is every day he's trying to break the mold of being himself. So I hope you guys get as much out of this podcast as I did. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Before we hit the intro music, I wanted to introduce to you guys the Yoakum Strength Insider. The Yoakum Strength Insider is our online training platform that takes all of the ideas that we talk about on this podcast and implements them into a program that is available to you at the touch of your fingers. Our goal with the Yoakum Strength Insider is to create better movers, to level up your life, and to move forward from where you are. We do this in a holistic fashion. Not only will you receive a program that has helped hundreds of people become better movers, you'll also receive access to our app that allows you to track everything, has video links for all exercises, and allows you to be in constant communication with a Yoakum Strength Coach. Along with this, you'll get our 30-page PDF nutrition and lifestyle guidelines that includes everything from what to eat, how much of it to eat, why we're eating it, meditation habits, and other lifestyle habits that we implement with our clients to really level up their lives. If you're interested in trying out one of these programs, use Podcast 25 in the discount section right before you pay for 25% off your first program. Boom. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast. Take the leap down the rabbit hole with us as we interview elite-level guests to unravel what high performance really is. All right, well, Coach, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here, dude. I I love what I see you doing, your work. I've, you know, just following you on Instagram. And then also when I come across somebody like you, like doing cool shit, I'm like, fuck, I can't believe I didn't know about this guy earlier. You know, so like... That's the downside to the internet being like so vast is uh, sometimes I'm like, shit, I wish I came across this coach's work, you know, years ago. Well, yeah, the wild west of Instagram, man. It's like, I, I think the same thing with the podcast. I'm looking at all these people. I could have this guy, this guy, this guy on it. So it's all over. The place. And there's like, there's so many like different spectrums to like be able to draw from all that information. I, I'm actually kind of really excited to have you on to kind of talk about that because 
you you've been in this you talked about you just right before you you mandatory made me hit record because you're like i'll go off on these all rants i'm like yes that's the perfect podcast (laughs) guest but you've been in the field you talked about being in the field for over a decade and you were talking about seeing athletes from different lights but one of the things i really want to touch on you with is like you have to have seen the most like the, the most amount of phases of strength conditioning ever. Like I, I like one thing I really want to talk to you about is like this, probably the, the over meathead approach to now probably we're at this like over fragile approach with our bodies, but yes. just what, like what has been this approach of this like decade long, multiple decade long approach to like coaching and like, what are these things that you're seeing and like, how can we kind of protect ourselves from the bad that you you see because there's going to be new that's not going to be good and but also being open enough to be able to grab from something new that i'm like okay like i can learn from that person yeah i think i'm going to go back and and like steal a quote from buddy morris that he told me over the phone probably 20 years ago he's like zach every workout is flawed no matter what like there's going to be a missing link a missing piece and um you know when he said that it wasn't like a green light to suck. It was like saying, hey, man, you got to program as best as you can. Uh, nothing is perfect. And that made me think competition's not perfect. So maybe it's actually good to have imperfect training, which Mel Siff actually coined in uh, super training, called it imperfect training, which we started calling it, you know, strongman and odd object training. Today, they call it functional. You know, everybody has to have their own twist on it. But uh, you've seen or people have coached longer than me. You know, I started coaching in the mid 90s, but not really strength and conditioning till 02. You have guys like, um, you know, CJ Murphy, Murph over at Total Performance Sports, who, you know, when I mentioned functional strength and strongman training in the 90s, he was holding seminars with like Sven Carlson, world's strongest man. Um, He was, you know, doing things that, became in vogue 10 years after he was starting to do that stuff. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, what is the way that we can coach? I think it's a blend of everything. So, you know, I listened to your episode with Cody Hughes, who's a high school strength coach, and he mentioned so much technology and software. I was like, holy MFing shit. Like that's so much stuff. And you know what? He's into it. He utilizes it. He makes uh, appropriate use of the software and technology. He doesn't have it to have it. Um, then you got Ben Creamer talking about testing different styles of combat combatives with football players. Hey, I tried jujitsu and we did pummeling. And hey, we realized, you know, linemen don't want to be chest to chest. So the jujitsu guy was out. And now Ben has a judo background, which, by the way, one of the toughest dudes I ever trained was a judo black belt. And so when I saw Ben's work, I was like, Oh, he reminds me of my buddy, David Ellis, who he probably, he probably knows David. And so I think there's a lot of ways to train and those ways need to actually evolve with the athlete, with the sport and with the something I speak about a lot, but I'm, I'm not good at writing about it. So it's better if I put it, you know, into words is the emotional, um, you know, what does the athlete believe in? So we see crazy shit on Instagram, crazy exercises. And Cody alluded to this, like sometimes people are posting stuff. And I also think this way, I'm like, did you just fucking use that kid to post a dumb video when you're supposed to really should just be squatting that kid, you know? And then there's pro athletes who like that crazy stuff. And I'm going to tell you why they like crazy stuff. Cause they're crazy. 
you don't become a pro athlete because you're this normal level headed, you know, guy, you're usually you're fucking crazy. And so you believe in crazy shit. And because you believe in it, you perform better. And so I need to maybe create some crazy stuff for you. So you have to know who you're training and what they want, as well as what they need. And that's why coaching is an art and a science. It's not just science or just art, because I think if you're um, only one or majority one versus like 50, 50, 60, 40, if you're, you know, 100 percent science, nobody's going to get tough. And probably nobody's going to get strong and nobody's going to get uncomfortable. And when I look at high level competition or even just high school competition at the most median level, um, winning happens in uncomfortable situations. When the other team gets tired, do they gas out? Do they mentally and physically, you know, give up? Do they break down? Um, There's stuff that you have to understand. You know, to, uh, you, we were talking before we started recording, you know, you were asking me how the meeting went at my school. So at my school, uh, I'm a strength coach at a high school, and uh, this is a, a very new position in New Jersey to have a full-time strength coach in a public school. It's not like uh, the Carolinas and Georgia and Texas and uh, where's Cody, Alabama has like, he was mentioning his facility. Like my facility looked fucking worse than a prison when I got there. You know, I remember staring at the weight room and I I was telling a kid today, I was like, fuck, I think, I don't even know if I could do this. I looked at it and I was, it may have been the first time I was overwhelmed. And that's coming from a guy who trained people in backyards and at playgrounds where like people were smoking cigarettes or smoking, you know, pot on the swing sets while I'm trying to train people. This weight room was such a, like a dump. Um, but back to, you know, what is the way to train? I think, uh, you know, I, I'm, I know I'm harping on it, but I love what Cody said. I'm so tired of hearing people say you're strong enough. What do you really mean by that? Right. And then again, and then, then the other, uh, I guess point is, Sorry, man, I can't give you enough context in one tweet or one Instagram post. So I'm going to rant on it here. Strong enough would be, you know, I had these two freshmen. Now they're juniors. They trap our deadlifted 500 pounds. They're lac- they were lacrosse and football players. All right. So I was like, okay, you're a freshman. You just trap our deadlift 500 pounds. You know, if I get you to 600 or 550, are you going to play better football, better lacrosse? Probably not. You know, you're probably not. So now I have to really look at like, not that I didn't look at it before, but what are the weaknesses? Is your weakness the skill? Are you falling in love with training more than lacrosse and football? Where, where do you struggle on the field? Um, And this is also the downside to being, you know, in America with the private coaches and there's that lack of uh, continuity. James, the thinker Smith, you know, talks about like the global coaching, you know, does the football coach reach out to me and say, Zach, work on X, Y, Z's, you know, here's where he struggles or here's where he gasses out or here's where he breaks down emotionally. There's none of that communication. You know, I could reach out to sport coaches all the time. They're not going to reach out to me. So you're kind of going by like, okay, what does this kid say he needs? Can I see some video of him playing lacrosse or football? I'm not at his practice. So it's imperfect. And so what am I trying to do? 
I'm trying to build agile, mobile and hostile athletes. You know, if you don't need to be hostile, you know, maybe you're a swimmer or something. I don't know. Maybe you're in a sport. Maybe you're a baseball player, but some baseball players operate well when they're angry. There's actually a good YouTube video called like the angry pitcher. Forget his name. Like, but if you look it up, he's pretty cool. He like, uh, <laughs> he like gets, he like turns his back. Did you ever see that video? I don't think so. Damn. Uh, I had to show it to my son because he's a pitcher. He would like turn his back to the batter and whoever made the YouTube video. This is when I'm like, thank you. Internet had like a great rap song going on. And it's like, he was preparing to like enter an MMA fight turns around. He like punches his glove. Um, you know, gets angry all the time. So his nickname was the angry pitcher. <laughs> so if you Google it, there's like a short 30 second YouTube clip of it. But uh, I think, you know, training, it's that art and science where we're blending a lot of things together. And then this um, sports psychologist was talking about <clears throat> the, hey, have kids changed? Well, there's some coaches at my school who have coached for over 20 years. So they get to see these changes every five to seven to 10 years. And there's changes in kids. There's changes in technology. So that changes the way we communicate. That changes our <clears throat> emotional state. Um, sports have changed. You know, sport uh, wrestling is not the same as it was 10 years ago. Neither is football. Neither is hockey where the big man, they want the big man. Now there's, you know, 160, 170 pound, you know, pro hockey players. So, it's interesting to see the ebb and flow. So what's the right way to train somebody? You have to adapt to what is required of the times, what is required in front of you. And uh, I don't like to complicate stuff to sound smart. I think that's like, those coaches are so full of shit when they do that. <laughs> they put these fancy words on Instagram and I'm like, yo, did you just want to fucking say upper and lower body split? Or did you have to try to impress somebody with your dumb words? So uh, Matt Wenning says this. I think it's great. He goes, he goes, before you think about training for the sport, why don't you just look at where is the athlete weak? What is his or her deficit? Because that is likely the thing that's holding them back in sport. And I wish I could give credit to every quote or thing I remember, but I, I can't remember. Maybe Louis, Louis Simmons probably said this. The key to really unlocking your athletic potential is to boost your weak points. In the, so how do I utilize the weight room to improve sports performance? It's not necessarily lift heavier. It's just keep building the weak areas. And, and you know, some of my weakest weight room athletes are the best athletes I've trained in their sport. Uh, some have been equally strong. And, you know, I've seen all these things. I've trained kids twice a week who thrive in their sport. And I've trained kids uh, four days a week who thrive. And if I go to twice a week, it messes with their confidence. So as a coach, you have to be okay with making mistakes as long as you're just trying to figure shit out, trying to be better for, you know, it sounds so corny, but I always, I, I tell coaches, I go, I'm real black and white. What I'm going to do, what's in the best interest of the kid. If it's not in the best interest of the kid, I will not go down that road with you or with the kid. So if the sport coach is trying to tell me to do something and I know it's not right, I'm like, dude, if you don't like it, get me fired because I'm not fucking doing that. You know, I won't do it. Or if a parent tries to say, hey, you know, I want my son training this many days a week. I'm like, your son emotionally can't handle it. He'll coast half of those workouts. 
he's better off training twice a week. And uh, anything I say to kids, <clears throat> I would say it to my own two children. I have a 14 and 16 year old who are big in sports and uh, two different psychological, two different mentalities, you know, <clears throat> but uh, I told my son like a couple months ago, two months ago, he's like, I'm going to get to the gym a lot more now that baseball's done. I said, uh, dude, why don't just train twice a week for the next five years? You're in eighth grade. Do that. Do that. And you could be a killing machine. Don't do five days a week for three months, disappear for three months, blah, blah, blah. And uh, by the way, when we speak about like overtraining, and by the way, how about this for ADD? I've like, you've asked me one question. I think I've like spoken on 20 topics. This is the best part. <laughs> These are the best podcasts. I, I, I might, say one word and we just get full content. These yeah, are the best. I mean, somebody might like uh, pass out listening to this. From <laughs> you, keep rifting. you keep rifting. Um, <laughs> it's great. My mind goes fucking nuts on this stuff. So uh, damn it. Now, of course, I lost. Oh, so we're talking about like two the, times a week for the five two times years. a week. Yep. So we're we've gotten also into this place where you kind of mentioned being, you know, you're so fragile. We're overtraining, blah, blah, blah. I think to myself, when I was in elementary and middle school, I'm about to be 47. So in the 80s, I grew up in the summertime. I'd be on my bike pedaling or running somewhere or playing basketball or football or kill the man with the ball or manhunt from 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. We, I only went home for dinner. Lunch was always like a Dr. Pepper and Reese's peanut butter cups. And I always think back. I was like, I don't recall being overtrained. My legs weren't overtrained from riding my bike a gazillion miles. And running was a mode of transportation. I'd run up the street to my buddy's house. Then we'd have to run to the park for basketball. Nobody gave us rides everywhere. I live in this little beach town. Some of these kids live three blocks away and get a fucking ride to the, to the underground. And, you know, I always say, like, I don't always say, but like I, these past 10 to 12 years, I have seen a major decline in just tough athletes. And a big reason is, though, the best athletes are too busy to even do strength and conditioning, which I think is a very I know you think this way, but that's such like strength and conditioning. What about? I, that's why I use the word sports performance, because I feel like that covers an umbrella of things. But our best athletes, they're too busy now. They can't even get to the gym because they're so busy going to my daughter plays tennis. Con, like the volume of tennis is so crazy that I don't even know. Like I'd have to do like 15 minute upper body workouts with her and maybe some like back extensions. And by the way, <clears throat> my daughter in the summer had a tennis match that lasted three hours and 15 minutes in Georgia. It, the court, uh, the weather on the, the temp on the court must've been over a hundred because it was like 97 outside. So how do you train somebody for a three hour and 15 minute match? Do you know what I'm saying? And so uh, these are all the things we need to question as coaches and, and, you know, Cody has all this software technology. I have none of it. And I'm a one man army at my high school. Um, and I was, I was speaking with our assistant principal today who observed me last, uh, the week before, um, we had break last week. He's like, I'm impressed with how you coached 70 kids. One kid's got a broken arm, JV team, varsity team. This kid needs that. This kid's need that. And then 
before he could talk about technology, I'm, you know, I'm really considering team builder, but I'm very much internally wrestling with, do I want 70 kids with cell phones in that weight room? Or do I want to continue the weight room to be like the tough gym in Rocky three, where we might miss a rep once in a blue moon, where we might go too heavy, or we might go too light where it's not perfect. And, um, I'm really struggling with that, but then, uh, you know, speaking about optimal training, and this was actually brought up by this uh, sports psychologist. He was talking about arousal and uh, emotions. And I think to myself, like, train too heavy, miss too many reps. You actually never get strong. That's like the road to being weak. But that's what a high school want, kid wants to do. They want to bench and max out. You have to train in that like 75 to 85% range. You got to uh, try to minimize your grind reps, but sports has grinding, right? If I'm a football player or a wrestler, I'm in a grind position. So nothing is perfect, dude. Nothing is perfect. But I think there's certain areas that need to be addressed with, um, I don't know if the word is perfection, but like Louis Simmons always said, there's a right way and a wrong way to train. I look at like technique, right? So for example, if we box squat, it's wrong to bounce off the box, period. End of story. You don't want to bounce off the box. If you squat of any style, it's wrong for your knees to cave in. We don't want that. That's dangerous. You know, if we deadlift, we don't want our back to be hunched over. But what if I pick up a sandbag and I'm locked in and my back is round? I'm now actually in a safe position because I'm locked in. I'm I'm braced. Caldeet uh, says, don't brace. Well, if I put 405 on your back, you're probably bracing, you know, uh, somewhat on your own. And um, okay, you don't brace when you sprint. I get it. I'm not sprinting. I'm squatting. Oh, there's no weights in sprinting. We can make all these dumb arguments. I look at it like this. I'm strengthening the muscles involved in your sport. And I'm preparing you for your sport. Um, I look at like maybe the time frame that you need. Oh, you're a swimmer. What's what do you normally? Oh, I do the 50 or I do the 100. How long does that take you a minute? OK, let's do like, you know, two exercises, you know, 20 seconds on 10 seconds off. And you could do that like a little bit general specific stuff. But I think in the grand scheme of things, we're getting away from brilliance with the basics. We really are. We're trying to just show demonstrate crazy stuff and. And look, I, I'm not going to lie. I like to be very transparent. A having an online business, sometimes I catch myself trying to show something that's eye-catching because you're like, yo, man, I want to fucking bump the views up or I want to make more money or I want to get to more people. But in the end of the day, you know, we need to jump, <clears throat> sprint, throw med balls. We need to squat, lunge. You know, we need to lift something awkward. You know, you need to do a lot of the stuff that we've gotten away from I like what Jim Wendler says. He's like, yo, dude, can you do, you know, 10 pull-ups? Can you do like 20 or 30 push-ups? Can you fucking run a mile? I don't care if you're not, if you're a baseball player, can you run a mile and just be a healthy teenager? If not, then why are we so specific with what you need? And here's another rant, a little crazy stuff for people to think about and, and where we are, you know, working um, in the high school setting since 2002 private and then also you know here at this high school and then seeing uh kids come in you know i've worked at division one universities um why do boys have boobs and beer bellies yet they don't drink beer so you see like 
we're so we're our training is so like space age advanced and uh it actually doesn't apply to the majority you know got to remember that um six or seven percent of high school athletes will compete in college and out of that six or seven percent 50 percent will quit by the end of sophomore year three percent are going to do it so you know i love a lot of these coaches that share advanced stuff but i also say to myself yo bro your video shows you training two guys try doing that with 70 guys now show me do it with 50 do it with 30 you know um Joe Ken talks about like when he had his first coaching job and the college sector, not the high school, he was coaching with his son on the, like the baby front backpack thing. And, and he's like, dude, just me, no assistant, you know, 15 squat racks. You have to be a great coach. You have to have the coach's eye where you could see all the way down that if Austin just did a trap bar deadlift with three fifteen, and it was a real hard five rep set, but it was the fourth set. And we're playing to do five. I got a shout out, Austin. You could stay at 315 and hit it for a triple because I saw how you grinded and you're not that experienced. So that means on your next set, uh, if you do the fourth and fifth rep again at 315, your back is going to go to shit. If you go heavier than 315, even if you just go 320, you'll probably round your back by the second rep or you'll miss the second rep. That's the coach's eye. Like you could see it from a mile away that adding five pounds total will just will deteriorate technique um, or, Hey, that kid's only been with me for three months. He has a low level of strength endurance. He could handle one hard set. And then the, then the next quote unquote hard set, you got to drop them 15% to keep technical proficiency. And so not having technology and software is a bonus in the beginning, but here's where we need technology. And then I got to let you ask a question because I don't know how, how, how it's crazy that my mind goes this way. I think we need technology because it drives competition. Uh, kids compete more when they see those numbers. Um, I have found that in the past 10 to 12 years, we don't have competitors in the weight room like we once did. Or like I at least once did. Everybody's gym is different. In fact, even when I had three private locations at the same time, each one had these nuances where the kids were different because they were coming from different areas, tougher areas versus nicer areas. I live in a beach town. You know, I always say like last time somebody got punched in the face here was like 1978 and it was an accident. I always say like there's nobody trying to steal your lunch, your lunch money here, <clears throat> but what would technology do? I would be able to look at the record board and, oh, Austin has, Austin is constantly the leader in, you know, our 10 uh, yard fly in, or he's got the most pull ups, or he's got the best box jump. I'm going to knock him off the leaderboard. Hey, I could tell the team, hey, guys, take a look at where you are on the leaderboard. Are you number 40 out of 40? Are you number 30? How can you get better? But we don't have these numbers in front of us. And so I think it d diminishes competition. Louis Simmons said he stopped doing, you know, 12 by two, eight by three on speed days because guys stopped trying as hard. He, he used to train killers. He used to train guys that were coming out of prison and turned them into, you know, the world's strongest powerlifters. And then he realized they're just not as tough. 
and they're not putting as much effort into it. So two reps wasn't enough. So it became five by five. Speed work became eight sets of eight instead of 12 sets of two. That's 64 reps versus 24. I don't know. You do the math. That's like a 500% increase in volume, right? But what did they need emotionally? That's they weren't put, they weren't working hard enough. There's a lot of shit that runs through my mind. And I, I guess like the point is, I'm saying is like, even though I've been doing this for like a quarter of a century, I'm not perfect. And I'm still trying to get better. And I'm still trying to like break who I was today. So tomorrow I could be a better coach. Like, I don't even want to show you my desk, but it's like, it's there. It's a mess. There's, (laughs) there's stuff here. You know, here's like a book on mindset. I mean, it's a mess here. That's that's freaking awesome! I already got a whole page of notes written down here from from that entire rant. And that was, just that was exploded one question. the internet with this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's perfect. One of the things I loved that you mentioned there. There's a couple points that I want to go with here. You said two times a week for five years. Like that is one of the things you you preach on your page. It says like, yeah. and this is something I'm seeing over and over and over again. Like I do these Q and A's weekly, and it's like, what what's this 12 week program? What's this like? How can I increase my vertical in three weeks? It's like, you you got to like you're looking at the best dunkers. You're looking at the best lifters. You're looking at the best athletes. It's like these people have done these reps for 10 years. Like yes. you got to go get obsessed with something. Like if, you, if you're looking for a three week program for something, you're not obsessed with something. And I, I say this all the time and something it's like, if you want to get really, really good at something, you got to spend 10 years doing it. And if you want to spend 10 years doing something, you got to obsess and love that thing. So like, find what you love, find what you're obsessed at. And if it's not this other thing, it's not that other thing. Just spend your time at something that you're obsessed with. Because if you want to get good at it, it's going to take the 10 years that you talked about. It's years. It's years of work. And look, we did it to ourselves as entrepreneurs, as we created shortcuts to everything. And look, there is, that's, it is important to be able to, I want to be able to always say like, jump the ladder of success rather than climb it. I want to learn from other people's mistakes. You know, you can mentor me, but we've uh, implanted that into athletes And so, yeah, they want in 30 days, what are my results? And by the way, on my gym website, it used to say, how long will I see results? That was a question in two weeks. Uh, It's longer now because they're showing up unable to do a push-up. They're showing up unable to do a pull-up. Kids used to show up and uh, they could do 10 pull-ups. They could fucking do 30, 40 push-ups. That was the kind of kid I would get. If he threw up, he'd run back inside. Cause he'd be afraid that he'd never be allowed back in. Then at this gym, you know, a kid would go outside, throw up and, and just sit there and not you know, <laughs> sit in his own vomit. And so um, just different preparation. What we're getting to is we're confusing people. There's so much information out there. It's, ev- it's evident now that inform- lack of information or excess information hasn't been the answer. Right. Like, I don't know how long you've been coaching for Austin, but there's so much information out there that if a kid wanted to get stronger and faster, he could do it without us. He really could. If he's willing to go down the rabbit hole and obsess and learn, um, they could do it without us. But there's more information, yet the kids are weaker than ever before. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, but it, it shouldn't. That it shouldn't be the case. Whereas I started doing uh, push-ups, curls, and running, 
I think no later than third grade, maybe even second grade. Why? Because I saw Rocky do it. And that was all we knew. Oh, that's what you do. That's what you do to look like that. You run, you push ups, and you do curls. So we did that shit. Today, you're teaching high school kids how to do a curl, how to do a push up. So we have a gazillion, you know, you know, infinite more information, but it's not making anybody better. And that 30 days to this and three weeks to that is fucking everything up. It really is. And, and one of the things that you talk about branching off is, is kind of like this strength training is the fountain for youth, too. And like keeping you young and keeping you strong, I, I think is yes. a really good point, too, because one, one you, you're seeing in a younger age, but now you're seeing this kind of the on the, <clears throat> uh, the total opposite span, spectrum of things. It's like this, this as soon as you I mean, like my age, like this, this is a great this is a great rant for myself. It's like I'm 26 and I'm starting to hear all of my peers like I'm too old for that. I'm not going to do like I'm tw- like my knees starting to hurt. Like I was like, man, you're 26 years old. Like yeah. you're going to start limiting your movement options right now. Like you're going to stop training right now because you're too old for it. Like I, I have a couple of buddies, like, yeah, I'm just going to stretch like I'm too beat up. It's like you are 20. You got like if, if technology continues even longer, but like, let's say you got 60 more years to go, like you're going to start limiting now. And like you, you create this like fragile, like I'm too old mindset. And then you surround yourself with people that are telling you you're too old and you, you start to become too old and you start to limit it. How have you kind of approached? Cause you're training like a savage still, like you're, you're still doing all this stuff. Good, dude. Yeah. yeah. So can you talk about like what that approach is like to you? How do we stay young? Like, why is it the fountain of youth? How do we stay young? Um, and then I would like to dive into a little bit of your knee pain program and your ageist athlete thoughts that you have too. But to start off, like, how do we stay young and how do we avoid that really mindset of like, we're just going to get old. Like we're kind of allowing ourselves to get old rather than just like, like yeah. staying young. I mean, first off, you just said, I'm training like a savage. We should fucking end it all here. <laughs> end it here. I'm turning 47 soon. Any, any minute now, no, like in, in three weeks. And on my birthdays, I make the workouts really hard. Like, I'm like, all right, I gotta fuck myself up good to earn this birthday cake. But I'm actually contemplating not eating birthday cake this year. But my wife, she thinks that's not, it's like too much. So I'll probably, I'll probably do the birthday cake. So I think your environment changes everything. So you said your friends, like talking about the knee pain, this and that. I had my uh, ACL repair. I was a fifth year teacher. So I think I was 27 when I got my ACL repaired. When I tore my ACL, it happened while training for um, shoot fighting and grappling. Those were the early days before it was called mixed martial arts. It was called NHB, no holds barred fighting. Well, that injury forced me to research, um, you know, how the Russians trained because I was like, fuck, I'm so I'm like big, I'm strong. How do the best wrestlers in the world train? I'm going to research the Russians. Well, I come across Louis Simmons. I come across Jim Wendler and Dave Tate on Elite FTS. I come across, you know, now my friend Joey DeFranco. And I go down the rabbit hole and I learned how to train for performance versus, you know, I was bodybuilding and then kind of power bodybuilding. And my early wrong training methods of like killing myself with high volume, high intensity destroyed me. So I think environment is crucial, meaning, um, I don't know if you ever heard of this, but I've had dogs all my life. You hear of like these places where if a dog is sick, maybe has cancer, they take this dog to like a farm and it starts to run with healthy dogs. And then it like erodes the cancer without treatment because it forgets that it's sick. It's with other dogs running around. And yesterday I was thinking about the same thing at my gym. A kid was squatting 365. 
and he did 315. And then he's like, should I add a 10 and a five, you know, and go 345 or should I go 365? And, you know, one of the guys is like, let's fucking go. And I'm thinking to myself, we're like second guessing 365 pounds because nobody around him is doing it on the regular. Whereas at my first gym, you look to your right, they're squatting 405. You look to your left, he's squatting 450. You know, everybody was strong, including people that were like 150 pounds were squatting 365. You know, this kid's like 215, two, he's like the strongest kid. So it reminded me how your environment can completely change um, your attitude, your latitude, everything. You know, you need to be surrounded by winners. Uh, being around uh, these excuse makers and whatnot is, you know, you're a battery drainer. And by the way, think about this, Austin. Who has the most popular products? It's usually the person that is solving pain. So think about my buddy, Kelly Starrett, the ready state, you know, early days mobility wad. Everything he did was for solving pain. Um, Donnie Thompson with the body tempering. It's a, it's a pain solution. Have you ever had like a serious injury? I haven't like gone down the rabbit hole with your work yet. Have you ever had a serious injury? Yeah, I had a herniated disc when I was 16. And then my senior year, on my last game of football, I tore my ACL. Okay. So when you have an injury, you will go down the rabbit hole to like start learning and figuring out these, these things. Um, and you can become obsessed over it. Well, when you're in pain and you have, by the way, you mentioned like 26 year old saying my back is bad, dude, I have high school kids telling me I have a bad back from what, <laughs> what do you have a bad back from? You know why you have a bad back? Cause you're not strong. And because you hang out with other people who talk weak and act weak and they eat weak food and they live weak lives. And so weakness is your go-to it's like your um, that's just like your normalcy. Whereas for me, um, I got lucky, you know, in my family and then going to these bodybuilding gyms in my early years, like I just learned that like being strong was normal, uh, as a wrestler, hard work is absolutely normal. Outworking people is normal. It's not a punishment. That's why I never punish with exercise. Exercise is the gift you get, you're fucking around. You get to sit and watch us train. That's your punishment. You know, the gift is getting to fucking do 20 rep squats or, you know, <laughs> sprint the hill five times. So your environment, not just uh, in physical space, but the internet environment is crucial. So if you're on, um, it's uh, the algorithm. If you're on Instagram or whatever it is, it will pick up on you. So if you're watching a lot of negative news, your feed starts getting more negative news. Now you're like a walking negatron. And uh, dude, it's pretty interesting how the mind can heal the body or make you sick. Not always. Listen, I'm not saying the mind heals everything, but I'm going to tell you a crazy story. This fucking is from 1992, 93. Senior year wrestling. My best friend had like a uh, growth on his arm and had to get uh, it removed. And it was required like a good amount of stitches and he couldn't, it happened during the season and uh, he couldn't wrestle obviously. And I remember he said to me, 
and this is how crazy is this is the winter of 1993 think about it no internet he's like zach i willed myself to heal faster to get back into wrestling practice and i'm like you willed yourself to get faster what the fuck are you talking about and guess what now that i'm you know 47 almost 47 and been in sports performance you learn the power of the mind now i realize like oh lenny wasn't crazy well he was crazy but that was crazy truth he was supposed to come back later but he <clears throat> must have visualized you know getting the his arm healing and um you know ironically i speak to a, a guy um in the seal teams uh with dev group and we were talking about shooting and i was like man i, I like to go shooting once a month but I haven't been there. I think I went shooting in August with my dad. He's like, you'll be amazed at how powerful it is to visualize yourself shooting accurately. And here you go. That's from the best military in the world. He's talking to me about visualize what you can do. So if I'm injured, I tear my ACL. Uh, I had a knee surgery about a, yeah, just shy of like a year and nine months ago, a full meniscus repair. And I had a complication. I had a blood clot. I had to visualize uh, being strong. I had to visualize myself squatting, lunging, full ranges, sprinting hills to force it to get better. And uh, the rehab on this was way harder than the rehab of my ACL. You know, number one, it's 20 years later. Your body recovers way differently in your mid-40s than your mid-20s. But I learned uh, how to use my mindset. And anytime something hurts on my body, I go and strength train the area. And that's like a thing with my knee. If my knee starts like bucking and feeling weird and doing all this cracking stuff, I do not rest it. I sled drag, I deadlift, I split squat, I lunge, I do iso holds, I do a shit ton of leg curls. Um, I just work it. I punish the weakness out of it. I know it sounds crazy, but that's what I do. I'm like, you're going to get strong. Because you can dig yourself into a hole talking about your bad knee, your bad back. Um, I definitely broke, like, I think my labrum exploded on my uh, left shoulder some years ago. Uh, remember doing an incline bench. And I heard it go like, like, it sounded like an asteroid exploded in my shoulder. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe my fucking shoulder. And I had torn the shoulder in wrestling. Uh, and I remember it was a very painful injury, no surgery. I was like, I think I'm going to have to get surgery. I couldn't even like drive my car. And then I go down the rabbit hole of like shoulder health. And I come across that guy. They make fun of him a lot. Uh, Ido Portal. Do you ever look at his work? He was like talking about all this hanging, hanging. So in my garage at home, I have rings. So I was like, I'll hang as long as I can. But I didn't just do one set. I hang in the morning. Then I hang around lunch. Then I hang in the afternoon. Then I'm back in the garage in the evening. I'm hanging five times a day. 48 hours later, I'm like 90% better than what I was the previous, you know, two days from the hanging. Then I started realizing, oh, I'm just distracting the shoulder joint. Then it was like, okay, start coming across Matt Wenning's work, all those Wenning warmups. I'm going to do a shit ton of, I was already doing a lot of face pulls, pull aparts, a lot of posterior back work but I just did more of it. And then I visualized it getting stronger and guess where I learned that, but didn't understand it. You know, I had Arnold Schwarzenegger's encyclopedia of modern bodybuilding 
in elementary school. You know, my brother bought it when we were in Israel as kids. We sat on the bookstore on the live on the bookstore floor. And in Israel, it's like that European during the day, they shut things down from two to four. They take a siesta. So we're on the floor reading that book for hours. They shut it down. We have to go back home to where my grandparents are. We tell my grandfather about this book. That's like double the price in Israel because it's an American book. <clears throat> I think it was 50 American dollars and it's like the mid 80s. A lot of money back then. Buy the book. I read about Arnold visualizing to make his biceps grow. Now, when you're 10, 11 years old, that doesn't make sense. Even when you're 15, it may not make sense. But the maybe I'm a slow learner. But the more I get into this, I learn the power of the mind. And so I don't want to be around negative people at all. I, you know, and I tell it to the kids too. If you're being negative, I'm like, get that weak. Don't be talking weak around me. I don't want to hear it. And you shouldn't talk because now you're convincing yourself that you're weak, you're broken, you're injured. You've convinced yourself that your back is bad and you can't play basketball. You need to talk a certain way. You need to be around certain people. And I think that's very much a, um, that's hard to find in this world. And I came across a video, somebody sent it to me on Instagram a week ago. Do you know the, he's, you know, like a fitness influencer, Bradley Martin. Do you know yep. that guy? He's jacked. <clears throat> so he's on a podcast and he starts breaking down. And I don't know what the question was, but he talks about that his father committed suicide. And now, oh, I think the question was, what does the gym do for you besides get you jacked? And he starts talking about the gym was like a coping mechanism. It was like a therapy for him. So I comment and I say, listen, you know, I know that feeling because I've struggled when I was younger with depression. Sometimes I still struggle a little bit, but uh, the gym for me, it didn't just save my, it didn't just save my, it saved my life. It also gave me a life. I, I became a strength coach, you know, in the early nineties, I would have my dad take me to gyms. Hey, take me to the gold's gym. We saw it when we were driving home from our aunt's house. I'll, I'll talk to the front desk guy. How do I own a gym? You know, whoever would have known that would become people would have private warehouses, but Bradley Martin having this breakdown. <clears throat> and I said to him, I now go to the gym Monday through Friday morning because it's just so good for my mental health. Sometimes I take Wednesdays off, but usually Wednesday's my full body, like uh, GPP day, kind of like a hardening day, like a tough gut check day. And then this woman commented yesterday, and I thought this was a real interesting comment, uh, and, uh, you know, a woman who has kids. And she said, um, you men need your man time. You need your man space. She's like, I didn't understand it at first. She's like, I used to take my boys to this barber shop. And I noticed that the barbers were like awkward when I was there waiting. So she's like, I learned to drop my boys off and let them be there with the other men where they could talk and hang out and do man shit. I thought it was real interesting that she commented on my comment because I don't know who she is. But I was like, ah, we got away from that because kids don't hang out like they used to. They'll they'll hang out together, but they'll be on their phone. You know, have you been to a strength and conditioning clinic recently or a seminar recently? Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, we went last August. Where'd you go? Uh, Northwestern. Okay. Iowa. Iowa. So when you go to these uh, strength and conditioning clinics, like something like Summer Strong, that's not really a clinic. It's like an experience. 
Um, you know, honestly, for me, I don't really, I, I watch the speakers, but I hang out more with everybody. I visit Donnie Thompson. I go to see him. I hang out with my, I met, I met a real close friend there. We're very close friends. Jesse Ackerman. We'll meet up. I met Ivan from Ivanko. It's like a brotherhood, even with the girls. You feel like brother and sister. It's therapeutic. People are missing that. And so, the you know, the, these people that you know that are like, my this hurts, my that hurts. They got to go and get around like, you know, you and like your gym where everybody's like, yeah, man, let's get fucking strong because that is healing to the body. Um, and, and you remove limits from your mind. So I think there's a lot of emotional slash psychological influence in our strength and overall health. And, um, you know, as I get older, it's harder to everything is harder to get stronger and, and do all these things. But then I, I'll re, I'll I'll change my frame of reference. Be like, oh, Donnie Thompson set the 3000 pound world record at age 46. You know, Dwayne, the rock Johnson, even though he's chemically enhanced is in better shape than he's ever been. And I think he's 50, maybe he's like 48, 49. So I don't want to set, you know, limits on myself. If I'm not, you know, lean, that's because I want to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know? <laughs> but uh, for me, being strong and capable is very important. I just like that feeling. And uh, as a father, I also think that's important <clears throat> as a dad, uh, because I think if you look the part, you have a better chance of fending off, um, you know, a violent attack. I know that's like a crazy segue to you telling me your friend's knees hurt, but I, that's how I operate. That's how I think. Like I've been like, let's see how the neck I've been working on the neck. I have a, you know, like a neck harness down here in in the office because I'm like, man, ever since I stopped doing wrestling and jujitsu, I ain't got a fucking neck and that doesn't look good. (laughs) So now I'm training the neck and doing neck exercises (laughs) And so you have to find, I'm very motivated by the whole physical culture strength thing. <clears throat> I, w- I was like that since I was a kid. Maybe I got lucky. You know, I, I watched the Incredible Hulk and got to see Lou Ferrigno. You know, I remember seeing World's Strongest Man on TV, maybe at age seven. And I was like, holy shit, look <laughs> at the size of those guys. You know, uh, that motivates me. Your generation and my generation, it's it's not so much that we're different. It all is like, where did you grow up? What were you exposed to? Um, and where do you live, by the way? What state are you in? Minnesota. You're, does you grow up in Minnesota? Yeah, small town Minnesota. Yeah. So uh, it's cold. People who grow up in colder areas tend to be tougher. You know, right now it's 50 degrees out. I Everybody today told me it's too cold. I'm like, too cold? you know 50 degrees for you guys is like shorts and no shirt <laughs> there's two feet of, there's two feet of snow out right now it's yeah. been snowing since yesterday and so you guys are tougher and um you mentioned uh northwestern is what state is northwestern in iowa they are why did i think they were illinois there, there's a couple northwesterns there's a couple okay. northwesterns yep yeah so iowa tough wrestling pennsylvania tough wrestling and we always said why because at age five those kids wake up early to carry, you know, bags of horse feed and buckets of water. They're already strength training while, you know, in Manasquan, New Jersey, you know, where I live, it's a beach town. You could ride your bike through that's, you know, it's this nice town. Where's the uh, stress here. 
There's no stress. Nobody's trying to steal your bike. Nobody's <laughs> trying to beat you up. Nobody's bullying you. There's just no violence and uh, there's no threat. And if there's no threat, what do I have to fight for? You know, remember that? Do you know that movie Cinderella Man? Yep. Where, um, he has the concussions and they're like, dude, you really shouldn't do this. And he's like, uh, I'm fighting for milk. He's fighting to put bread and milk on the table for his family. You know, if you're not fighting for anything, people may not like uh, feel they have no reason to train. I need to be able to protect my wife, protect my kids. Um, I, if I'm going to have a business of any sort, like how can I tell you to be strong if I'm not doing it? You know, and I believe that men my age, it is the fountain of youth, <clears throat> bodybuilding, strength training, whatever you want to call it. Um, you will age dramatically faster if you don't do strength training. I mean, there's people younger than me who look way older. They look 10 years older than me. And I really worry about what is the what does the future of our country look like when I mention you that the teenage boys have boobs and beer bellies when they don't drink beer. You know, that's why they say that generation, I will outlive that generation. The food is just so loaded with shit. Um, it's a it's a serious problem. And I don't know exactly what these kids are eating, but I look at their physiques and I just think to myself, you know, SpaghettiOs. Do you know what SpaghettiOs are? Have oh, you yeah. heard that? That's, does that exist anymore? I don't even oh, know. yeah. It's just canned food and pasta and anything that I could pop into a microwave or that's in a box or a wrapper versus, you know, what do I make my kids? Yesterday, I made uh, gluten-free oatmeal. And then I put like a little note there. I had blueberries, raw honey, and slivered almonds. And I just had a note from my kids. It was like, add raw honey, add as many blueberries as you want, <laughs> add uh, slivered almonds, mix it. So that was yesterday's breakfast. This morning was toast with egg and avocado. Uh, my daughter doesn't eat a big as much like my son does. So my son had that plus uh, two strips of bacon. Tomorrow will be like an egg omelet. Other days will be eggs and then I'll bake potatoes, but then I will slice them up and do, um, what do you call it? Um, like they call it uh, hash browns here in New Jersey. So I've, I'll just slice up the potatoes. I'll put like a thing of a uh, drop of olive oil or uh, some butter on the pan and I'll fry the potatoes, even though they're already baked. So now they're crispy. So basically I try to feed my kids like we live on a farm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? My son is already taller than me and he's 14. He weighs like 162. I wrestled 160 as a senior in high school. So I was already like four years older than him. So it's interesting. Like my mom cooked really good, but we, it was always like chicken and rice, fish and rice. <clears throat> but I didn't know I was kind of like trying to eat like a bodybuilder. So I would eat egg whites you know, I'm giving my son whole eggs or I go to Pennsylvania. You in, in Minnesota could really have access to the farms, but I'll go to Pennsylvania and I'll load up on uh, different cuts of meats. And then I'll go to like a farm nearby and get uh, free range eggs, which I love. And some of the kids I train are on farms. And by the way, those kids are my strongest kids because they're eating eggs every day. Whereas what do some of my other kids say? 
I don't have time. I ate a protein bar. You know what I tell those kids? You don't want it. That's what I tell them. I go, you don't fucking want it. You can't wake up five minutes early to do instant oatmeal. You can't scramble three eggs or, you know, two pieces of toast, cheese, put two eggs in there, egg and cheese sandwich. Like you're too tired. You don't want it. I go right for the throat. <laughs> well, but so that, that that's what I was interested. There's so many points that I want to go in, but I know you got to go here pretty soon. Um, how, how, how do you build this environment? That's how I kind of want to finish this up. Like, yes. how do you build that environment in your gym? Because it is like it, the, the generation is different. These thought processes are different. But like, I really emphasize, like, I want to give you a space in which you get a taste of this, you know, like you get a taste of that farm, like, like mental yeah. toughness. And you surround yourself with people that have that same thought process. And like the nice thing, when you have that culture, it's like the other people start to get eliminated by themselves. They don't really have to do much, but it's like, yeah. like this is your space of positive, like-minded people that are going to move forward, like move your life forward. We're not going to complain. We're not going to talk about stuff. We're, we're going to build our lives up in a way that we want to build our lives in a similar direction forward. How do you go about like building that? And I'm sure, I'm sure you've built it in multiple places too, but like, right. what, what's your, what's your, what's your emphasis point there? How do you build that in a gym and in a culture like that? It's changed. You know, I'm not going to lie. Like the earlier days <clears throat> were more intense and I wasn't as smart of a coach back then. And, you know, you were speaking about business with Cody. My prices were more expensive 15 plus years ago when I was, you know, 2% as smart as I am today. I may not sound smart with like how like ADD I went with everybody, but I could fucking coach people up and I could build bad motherfuckers. Um, so how do you do it? You need a standard. You need to have expectations that are clear from the beginning. I think my gym website does a like I always wanted my gym website to be this kind of like gate where don't even contact the gym. Don't contact me till you've read that thing from top to bottom. So when they sign up for a free trial, the parents, I text, uh, we use a, a form and I say, Hey, Austin, thanks for signing up your son for a free trial. Please let me know when you've read the website thoroughly from top to bottom. And then we could hop on the phone. Done. I'm not talking to you if you can't invest five minutes in reading top to bottom. And guess what expert marketers say? Your website's too long. It's too much, blah, blah, blah. And then I try to conform with the, the times, so to speak. And then I get the wrong people. I get the wrong people coming through. You know, we train a minimum of three months. So that right there demonstrates, are you committed or not? Do you want to just do this for a month? I'm not for you. Just like we were talking about the 30 days to this, like, how serious are you if you want just to train for a month? Oh, I want to see if he likes it. Look at her Instagram. I ha I must, I've been on Instagram for like 13 years or whenever it came out. You could find a million videos and decide if it's for you right there. <laughs> yeah. You know, really. And so you have to have the high standard. I don't think this, you know, the way it sounds like we have a lot of fun. To me, it's like a party. We, the harder we work, the more fun we're having. But if somebody's not putting in the work, <clears throat> I address it with that athlete and I let them know, like, this is probably not the place for you if you can't be here consistently twice a week. I'm asking for two hours out of your week. That's nothing. You know, I get it. Some of you got to drive this and that, but I'm lying to you if I'm telling you that you could be a champion <clears throat> training once a week. And let me tell you something. That's not a great business model. My business model should be train anyone and everyone, train adults throughout the morning, you know, Facebook marketing to women, 
That's the best business model. But I want to build fucking winners. That's what I want. When I was at Lehigh and Rutgers, I'm there to build national champions. That's what I was hired to do. Okay. Now, when I'm training kids, I am hired to protect your son. And I can't protect him if he's weak and not heavily muscled. Why? Because he's not showing up. He can't eat breakfast. You don't want to bring the foods. You keep saying he doesn't like to eat steak or he doesn't like to eat this. He only likes to eat chicken fingers. You know, we're not a good fit. There's other places that will gladly take your money and not give a fuck if you don't show up. If you're not showing up, I reach out to you. And then I reach out to you again and again. And uh, I'll be honest with you, Austin. Like I said in the beginning, I like to be very transparent. Sometimes I wish I didn't care so much. Because it's it takes a toll on you emotionally. Sometimes I wish I could, you know, the number one rule of a business really is to make money. That's your rule. Because when you're making money, then you could do, you have more freedom to do things. But I want to fucking build winners. I want guys to win, girls to win. Not just in the sport, but also in life. I do feel I fail when I see a kid that maybe was a successful athlete with us, but then goes on to do shitty things in his or her life. And, you know, I, I put that on my shoulders and I question like, wow, where did I, where did I fuck up with that? And I'll tell you what, the the 10 years prior, or I'd say like, once my kids were born, I think I changed the way I coached. But before that I spoke about winning. I didn't really talk to kids about life and how's life and this or that. And I think that's also gotten a very extreme, you know, um, there's a book out called like coaching generation Z or something like that. And everything's like constantly about like, Hey, check in with the kid. Hey, how you doing? Dude, we can't always be so nice. You, you know, sometimes you need to be like Mickey, you know, was in Rocky one, two, and three or Apollo and yeah, Apollo and Rocky three. Like there is no tomorrow. I told kids recently at a workout, I go, you really blown it this past month. You have like such a poor effort. I go, and you know what, when you're 50, you're going to remember it. You're going to look yourself in the mirror and you're going to remember that you fucking half-assed it. Like, don't do that. So how, all right. So how do we create that environment? You know, Louis Simmons in his last interview said that's what his gym lacks. Westside Barbell lacks environment. And I honestly think that there's so many options and opportunities that, you know, I think people struggle with staying in one place. And to build that environment, you need people that put time in. They're in, they're like entrenched in this place. They're loyal to the training, they're loyal to the place. And um, when it gets too big, there's room for people to hide. So you kind of want it a little bit small where you're always rubbing shoulders, you know, where it's not perfect. I don't have the best turf. I don't have all the room. Sometimes we got to sprint outside in the fucking negative 10 degree weather. That, That stuff builds environment. You caring about the kids gets them actually inspired to work hard. That's what kids need today. If you could believe in them before they believe in themselves and you can change their life, that starts to build the environment. Music is important. You know, the older I get, 
I don't listen to the crazy stuff I used to. I mean, I could listen to nothing, but I think music builds the environment. And you got to look at it like you could go to a restaurant or a sports bar and you could get a vibe. Does your place have a vibe when we walk in? The underground strength gym always stood for a place of work. You could just tell. You walk in and you see it and you're like, damn, I'm about to fucking go to work here. That's that's the vibe that you're going to get. And it's uh, clean. It's not dirty. You know, hardcore doesn't have to be dirty, but it gives this vibe of like, man, we're about to go to work here. This is a place of work. And so you have to, you know, blend the art, the science, the right people. And sometimes you got to get lucky. You got to get the right people together. Um, You know, you're in Minnesota back in the day, you know, Minnesota is still one of the top division one wrestling programs. But I remember when they started taking over from Iowa, like coach J Rob was like, there's no denying it. We've arrived and they knew it. They all knew it. They had the right guys. It was like the hell's angels were to like the hell's angels of wrestling. And sometimes you get lucky. You have the right people coming together. You can't have, you know, two to three highly motivated, then the other 88, the other like 80% are motivated. You know, you need to get a lot of people like that are really hungry and that's getting harder and harder to find because they're so busy in sports. As you know, sports is a year round. It's year round, you know, baseball is all year round. You know, not with me, though. I told myself, I'm like, dude, you're not fucking swinging a bat for another three months. Like, we're going to take a break. But that environment is something that I don't have the environment I once did. You know, my first gym, it'll it'll never be replicated. I hate to admit it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe one day if I have a farm and I have the weights in a barn in the back, maybe it will. But that place was real special. Those kids were tough. Um I didn't do any speed and agility stuff because even the wrestlers would play pickup basketball or they would go to like a uh, field and they would do tackle football or they'd play like flag football leagues. They did athletic things. You know, we had kids riding their bike to that gym on a highway. They fucking rode their bike on a highway where you could get killed. And it's like, yeah, there you have it. I got kids who live three blocks away in a beach town getting dropped off at my gym, you know, and I also had kids that were coming from far away, um, sometimes up to an hour each way. That's three hours or three hours out of mom and dad's day. Guess who does that? I do that with my own kids. My daughter's tennis club is an hour away. Sometimes my son's baseball for his uh, private is an hour away. What I, I will I will find the best coach. And here's a, I want to say this to the coaches out there, Austin, you know, as a coach myself, I could watch my kids get coached and I'll see a coach on his phone. I'll see a coach, not coaching. I'll see a coach standing against the wall, not correcting mistakes, not engaged. I'll see a coach after, you know, the baseball team loses, not address the kids and talk to them about how to rebound from this. You know, or I'll see a coach not run the warm up ever. The coach will have a kid do the warm up, and the warm up sucks. I'll see a coach punish kids with running. Running's the gift, not a punishment. And so think about this for the coaches out there 
pretend you step outside and you're looking through the window or you're stand, you know, sitting in the bleachers and you're watching somebody coach your kids. So do you have kids now or no? You're young. No, right? no, not okay. yet. <laughs> All right. Let's chill out on that question. Let's chill out there. But how would you want your future son or daughter to be coached? Not just in the strength and conditioning speed and all the other words we use. What about how do you want your coach to talk to the kids? Is it a fun place? Does the coach encourage them about academics, about excellence in all areas of life? You know, that to me is equally important because some of the best kids uh, to me are not necessarily the ones with the most wins or they, you know, achieve the highest status of whatever the sport is. Um, you know, do you impact their, their life? And so I'm finding it's getting really hard to find great coaches because it's easy to open up your own. You could go to the local, like there's millionaires opening up basketball places and then they hire young people to run basketball programs. It's so easy to open up a strength and conditioning gym. I mean, for 10 grand on a credit card, you could be pretty much set up. It's actually not hard at all. And so there's places everywhere. And some of the coaches are not that good. They're young. Maybe they don't realize it, but they're just doing it. And they're not, they're always on their phone. They're not engaged. <clears throat> when I'm done coaching, I'm fucking tired, man. Cause I leave it all out on that floor. And uh, I hope that that helps build culture. And so uh, it's a, it's a uh, recipe. The kids got to bring it. You got to bring it. The whole setup has to bring it. You know, the place has to look like, whoa, man, this is a place we're going to get better. And sometimes when it's too nice, like all these best division one, the best division one uh, weight rooms don't produce the best teams. Right. So it's not about the equipment. Okay. It's recruiting, it's athletics, it's talent and this and that. But uh, sometimes I think you got to have like a dungeon style training area um, to get people. And guess who else needs it? Dudes like me in our 40s, because they start losing that like testosterone and that man shit. You got to get back into that. They're too busy sitting on their phone looking at it. Like you got to get and I've been thinking about it. I'm like, I should just start a training group for dads. Get these guys fucking pushing sleds, doing trap bars, you know, trap bar deadlifting, dumbbell benching, doing push-ups and curling and, you know, just getting them to work again. It's missing in this world because we seek comfort too much. Comfort is the enemy. Yeah, brother. Yeah, that's that's sick. I know you have to go. Uh, the, our first gym was uh, 400 square feet. Uh, it was two racks in the middle of this like beautiful this, this little strip mall. We used the back. Um, there's this back of the parking lot that we used yes. to drag our slugs in. But you talked about like not being able to replace that. Like we got this nice. Now we got like 10,000 square feet of like turf and like everything, and it's amazing. And we You're still spoiled. got the good core group of people, but right. spoiled with that. And like you really like some of the savage stuff we did in that gym. Like it'll never yeah. be replicated. And it's pretty and, crazy. And then you look back, you're like, fuck, now I'm so smart. You overthink stuff now because you're so intelligent of a coach and you really are. I watch what you're doing. And sometimes it's a double-edged sword. We get so smart that we almost get, I know for me, at least I get conservative on certain things because I start overthinking shit. And I'm like, fuck, I wish I was dumb. I wish I got dumb. Like I could go uh, backwards. But um, I want post on your Instagram so I could see like uh, photos from the old uh, gym. 
and I'll see if I could, uh, I'll pull up old photos from like my backyard from when I first trained, you know, I first started out of my parents' garage and their backyard. Then we bought a house, but it was a, we had to gut the house. But the first thing we redid was the garage who trained in the garage, trained in the backyard. Then down the street was an elementary school with a hill, a big parking lot, a playground. So we'd be like pushing my truck. Then you'd sprint the hill. Then you drag a sled across the grass, <clears throat> sprint the parking lot, go to the playground, military press the picnic table. Why did we do that? I saw a documentary on like inmates in California who had no weights. And I saw the guy pressing the picnic table. So I started copying what inmates were doing. <laughs> and um, I remember a kid was like pushing my truck, shot putter, push my truck across the whole parking lot. Today, I'd be like, oh, we're only going to push it, you know, 20 feet. I was like, fucking push the whole parking lot. <laughs> but then after you push it, you have to sprint back. I would, you know, get in my car, put it in reverse. I see him sprinting back and he like must have like caught his foot. He starts like flailing. He's about to go down. I'm like, holy fuck, he's going to face plant on the cement. Luckily, he caught his balance. But dude, he would have lost his face. <laughs> like, forget like, you know, skimming the knees. His fucking face would have exploded. And I think to myself, like, you know, I was not smart enough back then, but I was just focused on them working. Push my truck, sprint back. What would we say today? He doesn't need that energy system to be trained. He pushed the truck, let him rest seven minutes. That's the optimal rest. And that's why, you know, you need to get crazy to get, you know, Louis Simmons, normal people will give you normal results. And then in training, how can you blend intelligent training so that they're legitimately healthy, not just saying, hey, my shoulders hurt, uh, you know, from inactivity. I don't want kids shoulders or anything hurting in their twenties and thirties because I've trained them smart. So we use a lot of specialty bars. I do a ton of shoulder health and back health work with them. I do a lot of neutral grip stuff. When we squat, we do safety bar, probably 60 to 70% of the time, maybe more. So how can you blend the intelligent training with like, you know, in my book, I wrote blending science with hell. You know, you got to go through some of those like hellish workouts sometimes. Um, I just, I mean, I have memories of like all these guys, one guy we trained um, went into the reserves, but it was like a, a special ops reserve, special ops support reserve. So we had to train him really hard. It was like a support team for the army Rangers. And uh, <clears throat> we called him crazy Vic. And I remember like, we eventually stopped telling him what to do because Let's say we were doing like squats, superset with hurdle jumps. Well, then he would start doing snatches after that. He'd actually show up 20 minutes early, do kettlebells, body weight. Then he would train with us. But then when you're supposed to be quote unquote resting, he'd do other things in between. Then, you know, it was more. And so, uh, you know, he was fucking, you know, talk about crazy. I'll tell you one time he came in during a morning session in the middle of it. So it was a summertime, either a Saturday or a weekday morning at 9 a.m. He came in at 9.30 and uh, he was like wearing like nice pants and like a dress shirt. And he's like, ah, he's like screaming. And the kids were like, whoa, what the fuck? He grabs somebody's kettlebell, starts doing 70 pound snatches. And then he jumped up on the pull-up bar and did muscle ups. 
And I smelt like the alcohol in his breath. I was like, oh, damn. I think Vic was like out with his friends. They go to the nudie bar and shit. So he like came in and did like snatches, muscle ups, jumped hurdles. And he had like dress clothes on and then he left. (laughs) He ran out. And so that as crazy as that is, was like normal activity (laughs) back then at the first gym. Now, you know, we would never, we don't have any of that. Um, you know, you did the podcast with Ben Creamer. We had this guy, David Ellis, who was a black belt in judo and jujitsu. David had the highest pain tolerance. And I remember he came to the gym one day, it was snowing and he drove from work. He would only train on Wednesdays. That was his <clears throat> Wednesdays was the day off from judo. Sunday, he went to church. So he's at the gym. He, uh, wasn't supposed to be there because his wife was like, you have to come home. Blizzard is coming. And so David was training with dress pants, dress shoes, squatting. And I remember we had a video and we're like, David Ellis is all business because he was in a business suit squatting. And uh, he's like, I knew my wife wouldn't let me get changed and come here. So I just went from work straight here. And um, now I think to myself, like we were open during a snowstorm and now it's like, if it's snowing, it's, I'm like, uh, you know, we have to close, like somebody's going to drive and get into an accident. Like we're just not like what we used to be, man. I fucking hate to admit it. <laughs> it's, you know, I need to get back. I need to, I think watch Rocky three tonight and I should straighten my shit out. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that that's going to be the whole, the whole, uh, this, you got my girl, I, the girlfriend's coming over to watch a movie and that's what I'm going to have to get her, get her watching. So, but coach, I know you got to go. This is, this was, was freaking awesome. Money. This whole thing, this whole thing was a quote. This was awesome. This, this was amazing. You got so many good stories. I'm ready. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go train. I had a great time, dude. Send me an email. Any of like the courses I have, like I have a lot of shit saved. I like to share it with coaches. So uh, send me an email. I could send you stuff and you could go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Fuck yeah. The, the, what do you say? Blend science with hell. That, that's, with hell. That's, that's a badass <laughs> quote. I love that. Thank you for being on, coach. Thank you, bro. Thank you guys for listening. Keep jumping wood. Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we dive down another rabbit hole. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating. Follow us on Instagram at Austin Yoakum to stay updated on future podcast guests. Keep chopping wood. Thank <laughs> you.